All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue to walk through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, just start of the month, good time to do a, uh, a refresh of where we've been in prayer so far. We've looked at what is prayer. Prayer, again, is not just uh, talking to God. Prayer is specifically asking God to do something. It's one of the greatest blessings that God can give to his people. There are, though, the Bible warns about specific hindrances to prayer. We looked at the hindrances that the Bible says Specifically, these are things that will keep you from praying. Of course, we could add to this list, but these are things that the Bible just mentioned. If you remember, abundance, this was the ADD, prayer ADD. There was, uh, there was abundance, doubt, disobedience. All of those things will keep you from praying, keep you from coming to God uh, with the request, taking advantage of this great blessing. Then we looked at how not to pray, and we spent time looking at the various ways that Jesus, and first teaching uh, his disciples and the crowds about prayer, began with how not to pray, not how to pray, but how not to pray. And so we looked at the things that, that the Lord warned about. One about praying these outward prayers, praying out loud so that other people might hear you uh, and, and praying more uh, for them than you do quietly when you're alone, tucked away in your own room. Uh, we, see Jesus, we saw Jesus warn about long prayers, long prayers where we try to either manipulate God or impress other people. We saw the, the dangers of, of doubting prayers where we doubt that God can or even cares about answering our prayers. We saw uh, that when we pray, we shouldn't pray worldward prayers with our desires on ourselves rather than on him. And we saw that uh, we shouldn't pray with sin-stained prayers where we are ignoring God and what he tells us to do, uh, but yet coming to him and asking him to do what we want. Uh, so those were how not to pray. But now Jesus has gotten to how we should pray. Uh, and so Jesus has given us this, this model prayer, as, it, as it's often called. You could say uh, his commanded prayer, because he says, when you pray, pray like this. Uh, so he gives us this uh, example of prayer. And we, so this is a prayer normally we see as like a children's prayer. Right, But hopefully as we've been walking through it, we see it's so much more than a children's prayer. It's the most robust prayer you could ever pray, the most deeply theologically rich prayer you could ever pray, packed so much in this short, uh, this short prayer. Uh, it's, it's, if anything, if we, had, if we had anything to this prayer, it's almost like subtraction by addition, almost. Uh, this prayer is so thick uh, and rich and meaty. Of course, we're talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so we've started walking through the Lord's Prayer. We've seen how the Lord's Prayer is in our prayers. We're taught prayers to be addressed not, not to Jesus, not even to the Holy Spirit, but are addressed, and not even just to a general God, uh, but they're addressed to our Father in heaven. Uh, and then we started looking at things that Jesus tells us to, to pray for, uh, for God's name to be holified, for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done. And now we're into the things that we are meant to ask for ourselves, for the people, for, for Christ's body. Uh, and uh, remember, again, this is not just for me, but for, for us. And so the first prayer that we're asking for us is what we're on now. Give us this day our daily bread. And so that's what we've been looking at. What does it mean, this first 
prayer for us, which often is seen as the most banal of all the prayers on there, this, this give us bread. But we've seen that that's a really rich idea, really rich prayer to ask God to give us our daily bread. We, we, if we just ask God to give us bread, we saw how much would be packed in that. Uh, so let, let's read the prayer again. Let's uh, read Jesus' model prayer here. Let's read the Lord's prayer. Uh, and then let's walk you know, just a little bit deeper into this idea of daily bread. Let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. But again, knowing that just because our bodies are, are standing and honoring his word, if our hearts are not, uh, then it, it will have been of, of no use. And the Lord knows our hearts. He knows if we're honoring him, not just by standing and not just by hallowing it, but hallowing it with, with obedience in our lives as well. So uh, beginning in verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, help us to see deeply into these words. Jesus can give us in this model exemplary prayer. Help us to see all the biblical truths packed into these and all the things that we are asking in these simple requests packed with so much that we are laying before you. Uh, we ask this uh, in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we've seen again, just the deep biblical truth around the idea of bread. If Jesus had just said, give us bread, uh, that would, we spent a couple weeks just looking at all that is wrapped up scripturally around the image of bread and the father supplying bread to his people, true both physically and spiritually. Uh, we've seen though that it's not just though, give us bread, not, not even just give us, give me my bread, but it's give us our bread, teaching us the importance we saw of the uh, communal sort of nature of bread, that, that your bread is our bread, that the Lord is supplying all of us by supplying any of us. And the community aspect of that as well, as we saw the early church devote themselves to breaking bread together. And we saw that imagery again as it's traced throughout uh, scripture as an important part of church life. But it's not just bread and it's not just our bread. It is our daily bread. And so starting last week, we looked at what do we learn by asking God to give us our daily bread? What sort of things is that teaching us about who we are and about who God is. And so we looked at how the word daily there is not your typical, uh, wasn't your typical Greek word for my, my the, the everyday sort of bread that I need. It was a different word. And so there's all sorts of discussions about what does that word mean? And so we looked at how the word really just revolves around the idea of need. Give me the bread that I need. Give me my needed bread, whether I need it now or I need it the next day. All of these various options for translation really just revolve around give me what I need. Give me the bread that, that I need, whatever it's going to be. If I'm going to need it today or I'm going to need it tomorrow, Lord, you're going to have to supply that. And so we learned a few things from that. We learned that, that when we say give us our daily bread, we learned that you and I are in daily need. We are a needy people. And we've got to remember that sometimes we have so much, we're blessed with so much that we don't feel like we need God to feed us every day. 
But we do. And God is feeding us every day. You might look at your freezer and say, well, I don't need him to feed me for at least another couple months. You know, you might have a whole side of beef tucked away uh, and think I can do pretty good. You may you may be one of those really great preppers uh, who thinks I don't, I don't even need the Lord if there's a nuclear disaster. Uh, it doesn't matter. The Lord is the one who is going to supply your daily needs. And we need to remember And when we say, God, give me my daily bread. We, we realize that the stuff in my refrigerator doesn't matter one, one iota. What matters is, God, if you, if you do not feed me, I will not be fed. Uh, so we, we're reminded that we're in daily need. And we're reminded that we are not self-sufficient. That you and I cannot meet our daily needs. God has to supply our daily need. Be one thing if we were needy, but you and I could go out and take care of that. We can't. God has to supply that. So when you and I pray, when we take the time, and again... I remember when, for me, when I was first learning this prayer as a child, this seemed like the smallest of prayer requests. Give me bread. But hopefully we've seen this is one we've got to, we've got to make sure that, that, we, that we pray because it teaches us we can't supply for ourselves. Uh, it also teaches us the need to submit to God's sovereignty. Uh, we looked at the book of Proverbs where we, where we learned that we're supposed to ask, God, give me, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Feed me with the bread that is needful. And we saw that the word needful there in the Old Testament, that Hebrew word is a word often translated statutes of God, rules of God, appointed of God. It, it goes back to God, give me what you have allotted to me. That's what I need. I don't need how much I think I need. I don't need how much I want. What I need is what you have allotted for me. And so I can trust it, whether God feeds me with a lot or with a little, I can trust in the sovereignty of God in my daily bread. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. When we pray, God, give me my daily bread, we're saying, God, give me what you have allotted for me. That's what I need. I need what you've allotted. Uh, And so when we pray, give me my daily bread, we learn to submit to the sovereignty of God. And lastly, we learn that praying for our daily bread destroys our anxiety, that it destroys our anxiety when we, God will, when we recognize God will always meet our needs. God has never failed a bird of the field. He's never failed a flower of the field. He will not fail you. That God will always provide. And when we remember that and when we believe it, when we say, give me my daily bread, knowing that he will give it, It destroys any anxiety that we might have of where is my bread going to come from? I've recognized, I've recognized the first thing that I'm needy. I've recognized that I'm not sufficient uh, and and I can't take care of this myself. Well, now destroy any anxiety that could come from that by trusting in the Lord to always provide for his people, always give you what you need. He will never fail you. But that's not all we can learn from our daily bread. Uh, that's all we had time for last week. So we had to stop. Uh, but this week we've got a couple more things we want to add to that. Uh, praying for our daily bread, praying for the bread that we need, uh, our, our needed bread, give us this day. Uh, we can learn next that it trains us for contentment. Asking for our daily bread trains us to be content. When we pray for what we need, when we come to God and say, God, give me what I need, we are hedging ourselves against a discontentment that somehow can grow the more that we have. 
Somehow, the more that we get, the more discontent we often are. So, but when we pray for God to give us what we need, when we say, God, give me what I need, then we teach ourselves that God will give us exactly what we need and that we can be confident and content in what he provides. God knows what we need and he will provide exactly what we need. Whether that's, that's uh, uh, plenty or, 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 or little, it doesn't matter. We will learn to be content because we will know that the bread that is given to us is given intentionally to meet our needs. This is the bread that our heavenly father has. Again, go back to the sovereignty of God that our heavenly father has allotted to us. That our Heavenly Father who loves us, that our Heavenly Father who promises to take care of us, He is saying, this is the bread that you need. This is the best amount of bread you could have. This is what you got. This is what your Heavenly Father has given you. And when we realize that, that the amount of, not just the fact that we're given bread, but that biblically, the amount of bread we're given is also based on the amount that our Heavenly Father has determined that we need. If we remember that, then whether God gives us a lot of bread or whether he gives us a little bread, we will be content. It's important that we learn, as we're going to see, that that's true whether it's a lot or a little. We can see this, for example, in Philippians chapter 4. This is the the idea Paul expresses in Philippians Philippians chapter 4. Let's uh, read beginning in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you've revived your concern for me. I'm glad you care about me, that you've revived your concern. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So here, here we've got, you know, one of those most misused verses in all of scripture, the, the verse that, that brought about that famous quip, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Uh, this, is that, this is that great passage here. But what's funny, what is Paul actually talking about here? What's the actual context? The context for Paul here is daily bread. The context is daily, but they were concerned for him. Why? They were concerned that he was in need, that his daily bread wasn't being met. But Paul says, you you don't, I've never, I've never even really been in need. But why? Why has he never been in need? Because he says he has learned to be content with whatever situation God brings his way. Well, if God brings plenty, he's content. If God brings hunger, he is content. If God brings abundance, content, need, content. Paul says he can handle any situation because God is strengthening him to do whatever situation God puts him in. He says, I can be content. Why? Because I know the situation I'm in comes from God. And not only has God brought the situation, but God will strengthen me in the situation. In other words, if God gives me a bunch, God's the one who provided the bunch. And then God's the one who's going to make sure I handle the bunch in a godly way. That I have the strength to handle 
abundance in a way that brings him glory. If God in his allotment has given me little and notice throughout Paul's life, it was, it was a vacillation. Sometimes it was abundance. Sometimes it was hunger. Sometimes it was plenty. Sometimes it was need. It was one and the other. But the whole time, it is God who supplies the abundance. It is God who supplies the hunger. It is God who does all of them, but also at the same time is strengthening Paul to be able to handle whatever God gives him. So Paul learns to be content. Paul doesn't have to go, God, you've given me so much. I don't know how to deal with all this. What am I supposed to do? I've got so much here. Now, I, this, this can't all be for me. It's got to be for other people, but I don't know how to do it. God's like, uh, he gives him the strength to deal with abundance. God, this isn't enough. God, I've got to have more. I can't, I can't do this. I can't survive on this. We've got to have more than this. And, and, and we're, we're, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? And I've been, I've been working for you. I've been, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been apostling like you sent me to do. And, and God's given him the strength to handle the need. So whatever the situation, he's learned to be content. Why? Because God is the one who supplied it. God is the one who allotted it. God is the one who said, this is what you need. And I will give you the strength in that to glorify me in it. So Paul can handle any situation because God, because God strengthens him to do so. Let me give you a couple of examples of abundance and need where we can see God strengthening the person to handle it. A couple of biblical examples. The first is an example of abundance and God supplying someone with the strength to deal with it. And this is going to be the story of Solomon. In, in 1 Kings chapter 4, we hear about Solomon's provision here. 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning of verse 22. It says, Solomon's provision for one day. Okay, that word provision is literally the word bread. So this is Solomon, I mean, literally, this is Solomon's daily bread. Look at Solomon's daily bread. Solomon's bread for one day was 30 cores of fine flour. So just to let you know, that's about 1,000 gallons of flour. One day, 1,000 gallons of flour. 60 cores of, of meal. 10 fat oxen. 20 pasture-fed cattle. 100 sheep, besides deer, gazelle, roebucks, and fat and fowl. For he had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates, uh, from Tifsah to Gaza, uh, over all the kings uh, of the uh, west of the Euphrates, and he had peace on all sides around him. Now verse 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and of all the wisdom of Egypt. So Solomon... Over, over a thousand gallons of flour, almost 3,000 gallons of meal, 10 oxen, and 20 cows every day, plus 100 sheep every day. And that's not counting the deer that he got. That's not counting the gazelles. That's not counting the, 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 the other things, the fowl. He doesn't even count chickens here. He even doesn't even count fatted chickens. Per day. That was Solomon's daily bread per day. Why did Solomon need that amount of daily bread? Well, because it was Solomon's job to feed the whole palace and to be the supplier of the people in the palace and those he was over. Uh, he had that sort of over the region supplier relationship. That's what he had to do. And so that's how much he needed. And God gave him the wisdom to deal with such abundance. 
God gave him the wisdom to handle abundance rightly. Now, handling abundance of wives, that's going to be another issue. But he at least gave him the wisdom to handle the abundance of, of bread that God gave him. So there's an example of God giving an abundance to someone, giving him literally a daily bread that was much more than daily bread. Much more than even in Luke when we're like, this guy's daily bread was three whole loaves. I mean, this was, this was a lot. And yet God gave him the wisdom to handle it. God strengthened him to handle that abundance. Just like he did with Paul. What about an example of need? An, an example of, of having less, of, of poverty. We'll get this one also from 1 Kings, just a couple chapters down the road. This is the example of another faithful man of God who God gave a provision that was much different. No less faithful, and yet God's provision for this very faithful man was on the exact opposite extreme of the spectrum. This person was Elijah. Story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. This is Elijah's story. This is, remember, Elijah just said there's going to be a famine on the land. There's going to be a drought. Uh, and look at what he says. So he, Elijah, went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So uh, Elijah's daily bread is so scant that it, is it supplied from? Yes, miraculously. As I mean, it'd be great that the birds bring it. It'd be great that you got it. I don't know if you really want it from a bird's mouth, uh, especially from a raven's mouth. You're like, where'd you get that meat? Uh, but they're bringing it. He's, he's eating his daily food, his daily meat uh, supplied by the Lord. It's still a scant amount. This is not, the ravens aren't bringing a hundred sheep here. The ravens aren't bringing thousands of gallons of flour. This is someone barely surviving, drinking water out of a brook and a brook that dries up. But things for Elijah are going to get even better. Because where does God send Elijah after this? Okay, let's send you somewhere better. Let's send you to a widow's house, right? If you, but this is not some rich widow uh, who, who's like living off some great inheritance here. He sends him to a widow. Look at what it says in verses 8 and 9. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there, dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. But here's the problem with the widow. The widow, she doesn't have any bread, right? What does the widow have? She's got flour and she's got oil. That's what she's got. She's got flour and she's got oil. And she doesn't even have much of that. She's only got a handful, not a thousand gallons. She has a handful of flour. And the Lord blesses them. But when he blesses them, what does he bless them with? Just so that that flour and oil don't run out it's not that he blesses them and the flour and oil become oxen the flour and oil become thousands of gallons of flour i mean it just becomes it is just a constant daily need just the bare minimum met and that happens to elijah as far as we know biblically that's his situation for the next three years of his life bread and water is his daily bread. Faithful man of God. And God has given him bread and water. That's all of chapter 17. What happens in chapter 18 of 1 Kings? 
Chapter 18 of 1 Kings is when Elijah then, strengthened by God, confronts the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. After living three years on God giving him just bread and water, he has been strengthened by God enough in that to meet the very enemies of the people of God and to say, listen, we've got to choose whom we're going to serve. And he confronts the enemies of God. Ask yourself, would you have that faith? Would you have faith? Would you be able to be content if God were to give you three years of bread and water? Would you be content and strengthened? Would you be so confident in your God that you'd be able to stand up against hundreds of his enemies, one on, one on all? Do you have that type of contentment? Would you be more content if God supplied you a thousand sheep or a thousand oxen? Would you be more content then? Are you so trusting in the Lord that if he just fed you bread and water for the next three years, you'd be ready to go to battle for him? Or would you have been spending those three years wondering where he was at? Three years battling discontentment because all you got is bread and water. And look at what Solomon's got. Look what Solomon had. And all he gets bread and water. I, 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 I dare say, if, if, if you're not content to live on bread and water, then you will never be able to stand up against the enemies of God. If you can't look at your life and say, God, if you just gave me bread and water, I would be content. Then do not think that you'll have the strength to stand up against an enemy someday. Praying for our daily bread, praying for our needed bread reminds us that God gives us exactly what we need, not more, not less. And he knows what we need. He knows that the best thing for Solomon was to give him that much. He knows that Solomon needed that. He knows that what Elijah needed was that. And he needed it for three years. That's what he needed. And he made sure he got it and he strengthened him in the midst of it so that he could fight one of the greatest battles ever for God's name in Scripture. Elijah learned to be content. Learned to be strengthened in it. When we pray for our daily bread, for our needed bread, when we pray, God, give me what I need, not more, not less, that teaches us to be content. And in reality, that is one of the most valuable gifts we could have. More valuable than any amount of bread God could give us is for him to teach us to be content. That's what Paul himself says. Paul, who says that in Philippians chapter 4, then goes on to tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, what does he tell him? Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is a Paul who just talked about being content in Philippians chapter 4. Being content in any situation. He goes to Timothy and he says, look, if you've got godliness and you've got contentment, you've got more than any amount of bread anybody could ever give you. And if you're trying to be godly, if you're trying to live Godward, is that, is again, I think that word would be better translated, you're trying to live Godward and you're not content, you will always feel like you're at a loss. Recognize Godwardness with contentment is great gain. So when we pray, Father, give me my daily bread, 
we're praying that God would give us one of the rich, greatest riches he could give us, which is Christian contentment. But Christian contentment is seeded in prayers for our daily bread. If you want to harvest contentment, you seed that by praying, God, give me my daily bread. And recognizing that whatever he gives you is exactly what you need, not more, not less. That will teach you to be content. And that will equip you to one day go to battle for the God you trust, whether he gives you much or he gives you little. To stand up for God, whether your life is great or your life is filled with sorrow. To stand up for God in any situation, we're, t- we're taught to do that by dealing whether it's plenty or need. By praying for our daily bread, we're teaching ourselves to be content. But that raises, a, this, this passage in Philippians 4 raises an interesting question, right? Because Paul doesn't say that, he doesn't just say that God strengthens him to handle the little. He said that God gave him the strength to handle the much. And we often think, okay, I understand why you would need strength to handle little, but why would you need strength to handle a lot? If you've got a lot, surely you're like ready to, you know, go out and do battle for the Lord at at any time. Why do we need to be strengthened if God is to give us a lot? Why would he need to be strengthened to handle uh, plenty or to handle abundance? Why does he need God's strength to handle that? And that actually leads to our next point, which is that praying for our daily bread fights temptation. It fights temptation. Last week, we looked at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Let's look at that again. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. We've mentioned a couple of times. Give, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. So, but this request, this request for the food that is needful for me actually continues to tell us why the wise man prays for the food, for, for neither poverty nor riches, but instead just for the food that is needful. Why does the wise man do that? Look at what it says in verse 9. So give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that's needful for me, lest. So here's why he wants just the food that's needful for him. Why is he saying, don't give me poverty? And why is he saying, don't give me riches? Why is he saying, just give me what you've allotted? He says, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So there are two temptations when it comes to, to getting our daily bread. One revolves around when the daily bread we get is, we think, too little or is too little. And the second, when our bread is, is, is too much. The temptation of both poverty and the temptation of riches. And so we pray for needed bread. We pray for God's allotted bread because we want to avoid those two temptations. And so when we're praying for our daily bread, we're recognizing, God, give me what you've allotted because I know if it's over here, it's, I, I can get into trouble. And if I know it's over here, I can get into trouble. So God, give me exactly what I need. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4 that God gives him strength to deal with need, but that God also gives him strength to deal with abundance or to deal with plenty. First, let's look at poverty, because that's the one that makes sense to us. It makes sense that poverty would be a struggle. Uh, Don't give me poverty, feed me what I need. Okay, so that's the prayer. Father, don't give me poverty, feed me with the food that is needful for me. Don't give me poverty, give me what I need. Now, that that makes sense. We don't want to starve. We don't want to starve. We've all considered that. 
What is the temptation, though, with poverty? Proverbs says that in poverty, there's a temptation to sin by stealing and then to compound that sin by profaning the name of God. Uh, Lest I steal and profane, literally, to take the name of, of God. Lest I take the name of God. It's, 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 it's riffing off the, the third commandment. So the implication is that we steal and then we swear by God's name that we didn't steal. Because we don't want to admit that we stole. And, and how we can see this temptation in the most primitive among us, right? Shepherd. We'll use shepherd because he's probably never done this. We'll use you as an example. Shepherd, did you take that? And they'll look you square in the eye and say, what? No. And you're like, I literally saw you take that. How can you, like, and I think you saw me see you take that. Uh, and not only did you take it, but then I looked at you and asked and you went, no. Are you sure? Yeah. You, and then we do the, like, we do the thing that is going to somehow make them say that, do you promise? Oh, well, you got me there. I hadn't considered that promise was going to be an issue. Uh, and what did I say? Yeah, I promise. Like, they just compound it. They take the sin and they compound it uh, with stealing and then not just lying, but even, even worse in this case, profaning the name of taking the law. I, I swear by God that I did not take it. This is the, 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 here, here the author of Proverbs here is saying, look, the, 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 the temptation, it's anger. The temptation is saying, look, I'm going to feel the need to steal and then I'm going to feel the need to cover that up with more sin. Sin upon sin. But that's not the, so, so the temptation is in poverty, we'll be tempted to steal. And poverty, we'll be tempted to take God's name in vain, uh, to hide our thieving, compounding our sin. But the Bible tells us that's not the only temptation that comes with poverty. Hebrews actually mentions another one. It warns about another temptation with poverty, which is the temptation to question God's faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, keep your life free from love of money. And you see, when we read that, we often think, okay, don't desire to be rich. But it, 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 it's, it's actually, it's more about dealing with poverty here. It says, be content with what you have. For he has said, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. If we're not content... The danger is the reason we're not content with the bread God has given us is that we are questioning God's faithfulness. That when we have less than we think we should have, when we have what we think is poverty, we will say, he has left me, he has forsaken me. And the author of Hebrews has has to come and say, look, don't fall in love with money. Remember what God has said. Don't fall in love with money because you doubt his faithfulness. In other words, don't trust money more than you trust God. And that is actually a common temptation for us to get in, especially when we have less money. Because when we have less money, then when we get any money, we feel more secure. So like if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you feel more secure when you what? Get the paycheck. But what, what the author of Hebrews tells you, you're no more or less secure because you got the money. Your security 
is in God who promises he will let never leave you nor forsake you. So don't fall in love with money thinking, oh, this money will never leave me or forsake me. Recognize that your, con- your contentment must always be found in God who does promise he will never leave you or forsake you. And think about it in your own life. Do you, have you ever felt less secure, less secure about God's love for you when finances have gotten tight? Have you ever started to wonder, oh, uh, you know, what's going to happen? And, and everything just sort of starts to spiral in your mind of this could lead to this and could lead to this and could lead to that. And ah, as if God is not in control of everything that you have. That's the temptation. So when we pray for daily bread, we're praying that we might not be tempted by the common temptations that come when we have less than we think we need. Whether it is to steal or to take God's name in vain or to question God's faithfulness. But here's the one that it does, is surprising. There are temptations with riches too. Because he says, give me neither poverty. And we're like, amen. And then he's like, or riches. And we're like, eh, hold off on that one. Uh, that one doesn't make, doesn't make sense to me. But here, the surprising part of this passage is it is wise to pray to God to not give us more than we need. Don't make me rich. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Feed me with what you have allotted for me. There is in our excess, specifically, a temptation to forget God. To forget how much we need him. To forget the first two things that we looked at, that we're in daily need, we're not sufficient. Uh, to forget those things. If, if we're given too much, there's that temptation. If, if, if poverty causes us to doubt God, then plenty causes us to forget him. In, in the first, we doubt God's faithfulness. In, in the second, we, we, we think it's we who are, who are the ones that, that we need. We've got everything that we need. So God, don't bless me with too much because I don't want to be tempted to handle it the wrong way. Paul talks about this temptation to Timothy as well in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Just a couple verses down from where we looked earlier. But, so this is, you remember, godliness with contentment is great gain. Go down to verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the truth and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee them. We should be content with what? We should be content with just food and clothing. We should be able to be content with just that. This is a good test. Do you have more than food and clothing and still sometimes look around and struggle with what you feel as a lack of having stuff? You still struggle with contentment even though you've got more. Have you ever had a moment where you've had anything above food and clothes and still struggled with being content? 
That shows the danger that Paul is talking about here. There's a danger danger with desiring to be, and we need to understand what rich is because we normally define rich as anybody who has more than what we've got. Rich isn't what I've got. Rich is what they've got, Uh, which is just not true statistically, like worldwide travel. I mean, you could just go down to Mulgee and see that that's not true. I mean, you could travel the world and see like you and I, we are, if you've got, if you've got more than food and clothing, you are rich. You're rich. And so this is a temptation you need to watch out for. Rich is not just when you get a thousand uh, cores or a thousand gallons of flour or 3,000 gallons of meal. That's not when you get rich. Rich is not just the people who, who, who won the lottery or who, who were born with silver spoons in their mouths or whatever. You and I, if we've got more than food and clothing, we are rich. We are richly blessed. We've got more than God needs to have given us. So we need to recognize that for we are rich. And notice that Paul wants to make clear to Timothy just how dangerous that situation is. Because what is it? He layers, look at how he layers danger upon danger, temptations, snares, sinful, senseless and harmful desires, plunges into ruin, brings destruction. He's making it very clear to Timothy, this is something to really watch out for. Why is desiring to be rich so dangerous? Because the love of money is the root of all evil. All of it. And since it, I mean, if it were the root of any evil, that would be enough to flee from it. But since it's the root of all evil, what should the believer do? Flee from those things. So when we, when we pray for daily bread, We are praying a defensive prayer. We're asking God to protect us from too little and to protect us from too much. God, just give me what you have allotted me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food you have designed for me to have. Because I know the danger that comes from one and I know the danger that comes from the other. Uh, and so, God, give me what you have uh, allotted. God, give us what we need. Teach us that we need. Teach us that we can't supply for ourselves. Teach us to trust in our sovereign allotment. Teach us not to be anxious. Teach us contentment. Teach us that we need protection, even from blessings. All of those things we learn. All of those things are wrapped up when you and I say, God, give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Just as we take a moment to to pray right now, and we want to respond to God's word, respond to what we've heard. This is, this is the bread as we saw that, that God's word is the bread that we need. And we look back at that a few weeks ago. This is the bread that God has determined for you to have today. He's determined for all of us to need to learn this. So what part of this bread do you need to learn? What part of of what we've seen do you need? How do you need to respond to what you've seen in his word? What part of daily bread do you need to be taught? Are you someone who who needs to learn? You, You every day need the Lord.
have you maybe started to think that you don't need him? You're pretty self-sufficient. You don't feel a need every day to have to run to God to provide. Maybe you've forgotten just to bow in submission to whatever he gives you. Maybe you're raging against God for giving you too little. Maybe you think God needs to give you what you want instead of saying, God, I trust you. I submit to whatever you give me. Maybe you're always asking for more. Maybe not even asking. Maybe just thinking about it in the back of your mind. Things would be better if I had more. Questioning God's faithfulness like Hebrews warned about. Maybe maybe you need to learn to not be anxious. Maybe you battle with anxiety. Again, questioning the faithfulness of God to provide anything for you. And you, it's like as if you feel like the God who's provided for you every day is going to fail you now. You need to ask God to, to kill anxiety in your heart. And so by praying for daily bread, God is teaching you to not be anxious. Maybe you've been battling with contentment. I mean, biblically, you could look at your life and say that you're rich, but your heart sure doesn't seem that way. All you do is look around and see what you don't have. Maybe you do that in a, in a form of covetousness as well. You multiply the sin just like poverty does. By not seeing the blessings you have, but by seeing all the blessings that someone else does and you don't. Maybe you think you know better what your life needs than the Lord. I need a bigger this. I need more of this. And if I don't have that, I just can't do it. God is the one who knows what you need. I mean, God could feed you. God could feed you bread and meat from ravens for for. For three years. He could, he could feed you a handful of flour and some oil for three years of your life. And grow you in that. To the point that you'd be strong enough to stand up for him against a nation of enemies. And yet we're, we're discontent. Maybe you just need to learn to be protected even from blessings. Maybe you need to recognize, God, what what you give me is good for me because it protects me. But there's a danger in having too little. There's a danger in having too much. And so God, just for protection's sake, just give me what I need. Give me my daily bread. Give me my needed bread. That's all I want. What part of what we learned is what you need to submit to the Lord and say, this is what I need you to work in my heart, Father. This is how I need to obey you. This is what I need to do. And so when you say, give me my daily bread, you can remember, Father, teach me this. Make me this. Father, We come to you today and you know, you know the daily physical bread that we need and you know the daily spiritual bread that we need. And you promise to supply both. Because we do not live on bread alone, but by every word that that comes from your mouth. And so, Father, you have fed us today. We sit here today, all of us, food and clothing. Everything that we need to be content. So, Father, may we be a content people. May we be a people that 
that relishes your constant faithfulness. May we with confidence lift up that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, knowing that you will daily feed us, daily for the rest of our physical lives and for the rest of our eternal lives. You will feed us. And Father, may that give us great confidence. May you strengthen us in it. May we see the great gain that comes in living godwardly and being content. Father, there are so many temptations in this world, even temptations when you richly bless us to just move the bar into what we need to get food and clothing to think, but I just need a little more. To get a little more and think, well, I just need a little more. A little more, well, I just need a little more. Help us, Father, to realize that in you we have everything that we need. That you have richly blessed us in Christ. That in our union with him, Father, we have every need supplied, both physical and spiritual. May we remember that every time that we pray, every day, Give us this day our daily bread. Remind us of that, Father. Continue to teach us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Easy for us to worry about that day that we forget to worry about this day. And so often, then in our prayers, uh, our fears, the things we ask of God, they tend to revolve around not this day stuff. They tend to, we tend to worry about that day stuff. Not the stuff we're going through, the stuff we're afraid we might go through. The things we're afraid might happen to our family. What our kids might do. What, what might happen with my wife. What might happen with my health. What, what, instead of saying, this is what I have today. God, feed me the bread I need to get through this. And Jesus is teaching us to worry about today. To worry about this day. He's keeping us in the present. Just as he's going to warn us about in 634. He's keeping us in the present. That day is going to have enough of its troubles. So this day, worry about the bread you need this day. Now again, we don't have to fear that, right? Because we've already seen that God might give us bread for that day. And he might give us bread for that day today. He might do that. If he gives us more bread than we need, it is to prepare us for that day. But we don't know what that day is. And we don't know what this day holds. We don't know how we're going to need to use it. So our prayers need to be centered on the present. Need to be centered on the today. Not the tomorrows. On the this days. Not the that days. And that's essential because if our prayers are always about tomorrow, and this is why it's important for us to remember, if our prayers are always about tomorrow, two things will happen. Not only will we always be anxious and therefore be disobedient to the Lord in our anxiety, not only will we be anxious, but we will always miss out on the blessing of actual answered prayer. We'll always miss out. If, 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 if God gives me today the bread that I need for tomorrow, then by the time I'm eating that bread, I'm already worried about the next tomorrow. 
And so I never rejoice. So if God feeds me today the bread that I'm going to need here, by the time I get here and start eating that bread, I'm not thanking God for that bread. I'm already worried about the next tomorrow that might come. So God who has answered my prayer in his kindness for the tomorrow bread, I'm so always worrying about the next day that when I eat God's answered prayer, my thoughts have already moved on to the next problem that I see that might come up. And so I don't even rejoice. I'm sitting there eating bread going, oh my goodness, not realizing this is the bread he gave you just like you were worried about, but I'm already past that worry, already on to my next worry. So I don't get to rejoice in the blessing of taking that bread and saying, God, I asked for this bread this morning. I asked for you to feed me today and you have given me everything I've needed to handle what I'm going through today. God, you have answered my prayer. We never get the chance to rejoice. We're always worrying about that day. Instead of this day, we never get the joy of answered prayer. So not only do I regrow my anxiety every morning, I never am able to enjoy the very faithfulness of God that's meant to quell that anxiety. The faithfulness that would help me to not be anxious, I never get to actually experience it need and go, that was silly for me to be anxious. God did feed me. Why do I never get to enjoy that and, and the thing that will stop my anxiety? Because I'm already on to the next day's worry. I'm already on to the next. I'm already on to that day in my mind. And so I never get to stop and eat and say, why did I ever worry? Why did I ever doubt you? You fed me. But if we're constantly praying, give me my daily bread that day, instead of giving me my daily bread this day, we'll never get the joy. We'll always be racked by constant anxiety. Because there will always be a that day and we'll never know what we're going to need for that day. So even if God did feed us enough for that day, we'll never even know it because we don't know what that day is. Well, so we'll always be racked by anxiety. It will regrow new every morning. And we won't get the joy of, of seeing the faithfulness of God, of seeing the answered prayers that he gives. So when we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread, we are fixing our prayers in the here and now. In what God has us going through and how he's going to supply our needs to get through what he has us going through, not what we might go through. What he has given us this day, not what we might need that day. So, so praying, give us this day our daily bread is a good reminder to, to fix our minds, to fix our hearts in the here and now. And it'll be good for us to do that because God will show his faithfulness this day. Uh, and so seeing that when we pray, give us this day, it helps battle that anxiety and it helps us to see the faithfulness of God. It keeps us in the present. But praying this doesn't just fix our minds in the here and now. Being able to pray, give us this day our daily bread also teaches us something about just prayer in general which is it reminds us of God's responsiveness to our prayer. It reminds us of God's responsiveness. So when we pray, what happens is when we pray, we often doubt. You know, that's why Jesus has to, that's why scripture has to warn. One of the things that hinders us from praying is what? Doubt. One of the things that even when we do pray, then cripples our prayer is what? Doubt. So prayer is one of the few things that's mentioned as a hindrance to prayer, both before you pray and while you pray. So it's something we should take very seriously, the dangers of doubt. When we pray, we often doubt. We doubt. And what do we doubt? We doubt that God will really answer us. 
But here we're going to see, not only does God answer, but Jesus teaching us that not only should we expect God to answer, we should expect him to answer quickly. Expect God to answer timely. Pray expecting immediate answers. Not only does this day teach us to, to worry about immediate problems, it also teaches us to expect immediate answers. And it, it, would be, it would be impertinent for us to tell God to give us our bread today if God were not the one instructing us to do that very thing, to say, God, give me my daily bread and give it to me today. Which is asking God to answer this quickly. I mean, there's, there's no other way around. That's asking God, expecting God to answer this and to answer this today, to answer it. Now, Jesus is commanding. Remember, this is a command. When you pray, ask for these things. When you ask, ask like this. And what do I command you to say? Give me this bread today. Feed us this today. Jesus is commanding us to ask for an immediate answer to our request. Because again... It's assuming we're praying about our present situation, that we're praying about what we're going through today. Not not that we're prognosticating about what might be our situation tomorrow. So if we're praying about what what we're going through today, if God is going to answer our prayer at all, then he's got to answer it today. God has to answer, if, we, if God's, God's not going to teach us, all right, don't worry about tomorrow, worry about today, and then we're worried about today, and he's saying, yeah, I was really going to feed you for tomorrow, I didn't, I forgot about giving you the stuff for today. Uh, he's expecting us, why is he telling us not to worry about tomorrow, to worry about today, because he's going to answer our prayer when? Today. This day, he will feed you. This day, he will give you your daily bread. So pray for what you are going through and pray for God to remedy it at that moment. Take care of this and take care of this today. This is actually part of what we're supposed to learn in the story of the persistent widow. One of the parts we often forget, we know that the persistent widow came to God often with her prayer. That's why she's called the persistent widow. She was persistent. So we learn, we're meant to learn persistence in prayer. But we're also meant to learn in that parable, the immediacy of answer to prayer. Look at what it says. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. I love that because it tells you what the parable is about. (laughs) You already know. And it's really funny because people talk about the persistent widow and they're like, what this is teaching? And I'm like, no, it tells us exactly what it's teaching in verse one. That's that's what it is. Verse two, he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So this takes place in America. Uh, no, just, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected. Like if you wanted to find America in your Bible, you just did. No. All right. Verse three. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? 
Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find such faith on earth? So the the, the persistent widow, she is a model of persistence. The widow has faith in really, he's a no good, this no good judge doesn't fear God, doesn't fear man. And so the question is, how can we not have faith in our God, who is God? And, and so, so, I mean, who, who is the opposite of this guy, right? Doesn't this, this unrighteous judge, God is righteous. How can we not have faith in him? Well, what is the faith that the Lord is hoping to find? Faith that God will answer? Yes. But also faith that not only will God answer, but that God will answer speedily. That he will not delay. When we are praying with the expectation, I need this today. And so God answered this today. We're praying, not with impertinence, as it would seem if we just came up with this on our own, not with impertinence. We're not praying in pride. God, I'm dealing with this. Answer this. I need this today. I need you to supply for me today what I need today. I need this bread today because I'm going through this right now. We're not being impertinent. We're not being prideful. How dare you go to God and ask him to answer your prayer? now i mean god is telling us we go to the unrighteous judge and the widow goes to the unrighteous judge and says answer me and answer me now and, and the lord says the unrighteous judge will do it how much more will god not only give justice to his elect but will do it speedily who will not delay so faith isn't just when we're praying this we're praying in faith that faith that he says will he see such faith When we're praying in faith, it's not just faith that God answers our prayers. That's part of the faith we must have, that God will answer. But that's not, that's like the low bar of our faith. Not only that God answers, but that he will answer us speedily. That he will not delay in answering his people when they ask for their daily bread that he will give it this day why is Jesus saying this day so that we can ask for it this day and God go nope why are we asking for this day's answers to the things that we need because when will God answer it this day when you're asking for God to answer what you're going through and what you're dealing with and the bread that you need from him to get through it When you're asking him to answer that this day, the reason he has taught you to say, God, answer me and answer me this day is because that's exactly what he's going to do. He is going to answer it this day. He will provide for you all that you need to not only get through it, but to glorify him in it. And he will provide that bread this day. So when you and I pray, give us this day, our daily bread, we're not making God answer us quickly. We are reminding ourselves that he always does. But there's more. There's more to this request, although I think that right there, I mean, I just would, it's a lot. And this time to see what the Lord is asking, turn to Luke 11, where the the Lord's prayer is worded just slightly differently there to give us another nuance on this idea of give us this day. So Luke 11, down in verse 2, 
is where we're going to get the Lord's Prayer here. Luke 11, down in verse 2. Jesus says, Father, this is Lord, teach us to pray. Does that Lord teach us to pray prayer? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. So instead of give us this day, it's give us each day. And that's a good translation uh, because it's, it's a different wording than the this day that's found in, in Matthew. Uh, so what does it mean to give us each day our daily bread? What, what can we, what sort of nuance can we see on the phrase there? Well, the idea of, of, of give us each day, maybe we can understand it more by looking at how this phrase is used by Luke in other sections. So, for example, it's used multiple times in Luke, but Luke 22, verse 53. Luke uses it uh, again. We see Jesus use it again. But when I was with you, Luke 22, 53, but when I was with you day after day, exact same word, exact same word. Uh, it's actually two words in the Greek. Uh, when I was with you day after day in the temple, uh, you see the same thing? Acts chapter 2, verse 46, a passage we all know, one that we looked at just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, that phrase, day by day, uh, exact same, again, exact same phrase that we saw earlier. So then the idea is give us our daily bread uh, each day, give us our daily bread day by day. The idea, idea then is, is when, means when we pray for our daily bread, when we pray, give us our Daily bread, day by day, give us, uh, give us each day our daily bread, however you want to word it. The idea is that it teaches us, when we do that, it teaches us the perpetual faithfulness of God. It teaches us the perpetual, the day after day, faithfulness of God. We don't just need God to supply us with daily bread Today, we need God to supply us with our daily bread each and every day. Which again reminds us that this is not a prayer that God answers once, which is amazing. But that he answers day after day. The day after day, when you go to God and say, give us this day our daily bread. Give us a day by day our daily bread. That's a prayer that he is going to answer every day of your life. God. The God of the universe is going to perpetually answer every single day this prayer. It's really funny that sometimes we ask, you know, has the Lord ever answered any prayer that's really hot? You know, and we think about one time I prayed and the Lord just, well, here is a prayer. This is like, this is like easy here. This is like putt-putt golf in terms of answered prayer. Here, this is a prayer that God perpetually answers for his people day after day. Calvin said, this suggests to us that such a petition as following, O oh Lord, since our life needs every day new supply, may it please thee to grant them to us without interruption. In other words, just as our days will have new needs, every day God will provide new bread. You, you go through a day, you pray for your, your needs, what you see that you're going through today. And some days this is easier than others. Someday you wake up and you know, I at least need a slice of bread to deal with this. 
right? As soon before you even get off the ground, you've been laying in bed all night thinking about it, and you're going, it's past midnight, so it's okay to worry about it now, because now it's this day. Uh, I'm not worried about it tomorrow. You know, you're like, I got this. I'm praying for this daily bread. And, and before you even get out of bed, you're like, Lord, give us this day, our daily bread. And, and you know what you're hoping that he supplies, because you know what you're going to go through. You know what you're dealing with. You know the bread that you need right now. God will supply that bread. He's going to be faithful. But there are days that you wake up and you don't know what you need. You don't know what your day is going to. So when you say, God, give me my daily bread today, you don't have a specific idea of what that bread is. You're just knowing that, God, there's going to be something come up and I'm going to need you to provide the bread that I need to get through it. I know that you're going to need to provide everything from my meals to my struggles to my abundances, whatever it is, God, I'm going to need you to supply it. And so since every day is going to have new needs every day, God provides us day after day with new bread. God doesn't just give us a big old fat lump of bread when we get saved and say, all right, eat it, but go slowly. This is all you get. When you run out, go and pray to some saints and I'll give you some more. Right? That's not what he does. He doesn't just give us a bunch of bread and say, all right, you know, you better allocate this well. Don't throw a bunch of it onto this issue. More bread than you need. Every day, God gives us exactly the amount of bread that we need to get through it. This is what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 4, right? Whether it's abundance or need, the Lord's going to give me everything I need to get through it. I know how to get through all of them through him who's going to strengthen us, who's going to give me the bread that I need. I remember my friends. I remember, I do. I remember my friends. What a, what a quaint statement. Uh, I remember my friends when I was in high school that used to, I used to pray for my food. And now, now I'm wondering why I ate with them because they wouldn't even pray for their food. And I'm like, why was I still hanging out with these guys? Uh, and I remember I would stop and pray with these pagans. Uh, and they wanted to know, they wanted to know, hey, hey, they thought, he, one of them, he thought he was really smart. Well, no, he's probably just, he was probably actually being impertinent, now that I think about it. Uh, and he asked, he's like, hey, why don't you just, you know, why don't you thank God for all the food you're ever going to eat? And then... We don't have to stop because we're at least civilized enough to pause while you pray, right? Then we won't have to wait while you pray your prayer. Uh, you know, why, why don't you just thank him for everything he's ever going to give you? Thank you, God, for all the food I'll ever eat. And now I never have to stop and say prayers before, uh, before I eat. You know why? Well, here's the reason. And here's the reason tied to prayer, not, not to Thanksgiving, Because when I ask God every day for my food, when I ask him every day to feed me, and I see him answer every single day, then I am daily and sometimes multiple times a day reminded of God's steadfast faithfulness. A reminder that I would not have if I didn't pray every day for God to feed me that day. Not only would I be prideful in that, as we saw several weeks ago, in thinking that I could provide for myself or that I'm not going to have need, I miss out on seeing God answer my prayer and be faithful every single day. If I wake up and say, God, feed me today, and then say, and God, 
I know behind that praying for bread is also praying not just for my food, but for anything I might need. Give me that God today. It is going to allow me then when I see God answer, allow me to get heap upon heap, basket upon basket, uh, overflowing of loaves of God answering the prayers that I need. Answering over and over, showing his steadfast faithfulness. And this is exactly what Jeremiah says in Lamentations. Jeremiah in Lamentations, uh, Lamentations chapter 3 Probably one of the few things in Lamentations you're familiar with because it's not normally a passage you go through when you're like, I want, what am I going to read in my Bible today? Let's read some Lamentations. But look at what it says in 3, 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. What? They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Think about the daily bread. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, what? I will hope in him. It, it is one thing for God to answer a prayer from. This is one thing for God to ever in our life do anything. That we ask the God of the God of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, I got something to ask you. For him to ever answer anything that we ask would be more grace than you and I, fallen creatures that we were, ever deserved. To provide anything for us ever would be grand and glorious would be something worthy of eternal praise. But how much more glorious the fact that God answers us with new bread every morning, every single day, new, new mercies, new bread, new portion of Him to deal with what we're going to go through. That is the steadfast love of our God. That they are new every morning. More of him every morning. More of what we need every day. New bread, new bread, new bread. Every single day. That is the faithfulness of our God. And when we pray, God give us day by day our daily bread. We are reminded that he does and he has, and he ever will. Both bread and bread. A new day is going to bring new challenges. Yes. But that just means that God will bring new answers, new provisions, new bread. We don't know what today will hold. When we wake up, we don't know if it's going to be a rough day or an easy one. How many times have you woken up thinking, this is a great day. And it's like the instant you put your feet on the floor, you know, she wakes up before you can even get out of the room, right? And it already starts going south. Where's my coffee? No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. She, it's much later that she does that. I'm already out of bed for a long time by then. We don't know if it's going to be a rough day or an easy day. We don't know. 
what bread we're going to need. We don't know if we're going to need a lot of bread today or we're going to need just a little. But what we do know, what we will always know, is that God will himself give you your bread. And he will give it to you day after day. And in giving you your bread, he is giving you of himself. Because he is perpetually faithful. How do you know that? Because you've been asking him to feed you every day. And he has. And so when you ask him to feed you every day, and he does, you are reminding yourself, teaching yourself, the perpetual faithfulness of God. I mean, if you, if you and I would wake up praying this prayer every day, just wake up praying the Lord's Prayer right off the bat, asking God for our daily bread. Oh, how that would teach us the everyday faithfulness. Think of what it would do. It would get our minds centered on today, not tomorrow. It would get our minds ready for the God of the universe to answer us. How exciting is that? And... We would do it in confidence because we would remember, not tomorrow, we'd be remembering the past and all the ways that he has always answered us. We would see the everyday faithfulness of our God. When you and I pray, give us our daily bread this day, we are day by day teaching ourselves the perpetual faithfulness of God as he answers that prayer day by day. Feed me today. Feed me today. Feed me today. A lifetime of answered prayers to give us confidence when we feel like our daily bread might be in jeopardy. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to think about what the Lord has, has taught us and what seems like a very impertinent part of a prayer. Give us this day. I mean, think of the great grace of God in those words, in telling us to ask him to answer it this day, day by day. Why does God tell us to do that? Because God's not afraid that he will ever fail you. God has no fear in telling you to ask him to feed you today. Every day. And when you and I pray, we learn that same thing. We are learning that, that God has no reasons to fear us putting a time on this prayer. Why? Because he's going to answer it. He's going to answer it this day. He's going to answer it day by day. He will never fail to answer this. Never be a day where God does not give you the bread that you need. Does not give you, as Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion. It says we're praying for that. Look at your prayers. What is that teaching us? What has that? When you look at your own prayers, what are your concerns? Are you, are you worried about today? Or are you always praying about tomorrow? What might come? 
Are you worried about this day? Or are you always thinking about that day? Our anxiety robs God. It robs him. Your anxious thoughts, always moving to tomorrow, always thinking about that day, are missing out on the great faithfulness of God to feed you this day. And it feels noble. It feels grand sometimes to worry about what might come and to ask God to answer that. But when we fail to see what we have this day and to see what he has provided this day to deal with it, then we rob God of his faithfulness. Maybe you need more faith in your prayers. Not faith that God will answer. Maybe you just need more faith that he'll answer today. That, that, that maybe you need to be reminded that you don't have to make God answer quickly. He always does. He's going to give you today exactly what you need. You're not going to be hanging on to the 11th hour and find out, nope, he didn't answer today. He is going to answer you every day exactly what you need that day. Maybe you just need, maybe you're just, as we were looking through, you just need to be reminded of the perpetual faithfulness of God. I mean, have you, have you ever thought about how many days God has fed you? You ever just stopped and think about it? How many days God has fed you? Every meal you've ever eaten has been from him. So you want to know how many days God has fed you? Just, just count your age. Every one of those days was an answer to prayer. You might not even have known to pray. God is faithful even when we don't know what faithfulness to ask for. It's not that God doesn't give you your daily bread until you start asking for your daily bread. It's when you start asking for it that you see how much he's given it before you were too mature to even ask. When you in your immaturity were thinking you were providing your bread. And then you look back and you go, and it's like this wake up moment of, wait, that was always you. It was always you. We're not being impertinent when we tell God to give us our daily bread this day. We're being obedient. Because when we do that, we'll get to see him be faithful and he will be praised for his faithfulness. So today, let's worship the God who is faithful this day and every day for all of time. Father, we come to you this morning. This day we come to you. And I ask, Father, that you would give us this day our daily bread. And we are going to go and we are going to eat some of that daily bread. And we are going to eat an answer to that prayer that you have given us. And we're going to be reminded how, yes, you give us bread here to eat, but you are feeding us with with all the bread that is needful for us both physically and spiritually. And we are reminded that you are our portion and you give us of yourself to deal with everything that we need to go through. There is no God like you. 
ever faithful to his people. Everyday faithfulness. May we test you in this. May we try you. Because you will always answer. You are our God. And we are your people. We thank you, Father, for how you feed us. And may we always remember the bread that is Christ, that has brought us into this relationship to begin with, that has made us children fed by our Father every day for all of time. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.